Alright guys, welcome to Reverse Sweep. You're probably wondering, who am I? Who's this guy? Who's this handsome looking guy that's on camera today? Obviously James used to be on the show and they needed to replace him with another really good looking person, so I got the call from the guys at Cerro and uh, I'm obviously joined here by the regular regular attendees, Chris and, and Pat. How is it going guys? Good, good. We got our our European counterpart to James. Um, <laughs> great replacement. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, excited back again for another year of uh, reverse sweep man and obviously march good to have you here we're gonna have a good time this year yeah i'm basically on the same uh you know place as pat super excited to uh start another show um with the with all the content there is uh this year and prior years uh everyone loved our show last year they said it was a it was pretty different from basically everyone else's content so excited to keep that you know train rolling yeah 100 and obviously we've just had a really good weekend of matches to start off the league so kind of getting into the start of the season now, so that's what we're going to start off with and talk about sort of what our initial thoughts are on the MW3 competitive season. So um, just you, Chris, what do you think of the game so far? I know you've been playing a lot of BPL 8s and th things like that, a little bit of controversy there, but um, <laughs> um, what's your thoughts on the game so far? Uh, personally, I love the game mechanics. Uh, I love the guns, time to kill, all that stuff. Uh, is definitely better than it was last year. The one thing that has worried me is the maps and how they play with new gen game modes pretty much hard point and control i think snd plays really well um as we saw this weekend in the league i think there was a lot of exciting search and destroy moments uh with the addition of covert sneakers or dead silence ninja whatever you want to call it now being back in the game but um outside of that i mean dude hard point that's still my big uh my big if my big if with this game like i don't think these maps uh um, work well. I think there's maybe like one map that plays pretty good. It's Karachi. I think we saw a lot of that this uh, prior weekend. But outside of that, um, Hardpoint just checks me out watching it sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think that the issue is just the maps. Um, and, you know, I think the the big question for me is what are the DLC maps going to look like? You know, it's always kind of been a gamble every year with what we get from DLC maps. And if they're viable, I think we've only had really one come in that wasn't a throwback map it was the uh apocalypse in cold war i believe and so it's like for me i don't i don't think these model warfare 2 maps the og model for two maps play that well in hardpoint i don't think the the maps are really designed with that in mind the spawns are, are a little a little tricky and i don't know about you guys but like a ton of these maps like the hard points are just in like little tiny rooms you know it doesn't feel like traditional hard point zones and um that for me i think throws it off a little bit too because like the hills become really like I don't know what the game to compare it to is, but like they just kind of become like a, almost a fuck fest, right? Like you're just sliding in and it's real mixy, and it's not like the, the traditional like get control, hold an area down type of uh, feel. So um, as far as the game goes, I mean, look I, to me, I, I still think it's funny because the entire marketing push behind Modern Warfare Three was like what Modern Warfare Two wasn't and where Modern Warfare Two messed up. So it's good to at least see that it's positive change in in that sense and. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if we get some maps and, and hopefully some, some better maps for Hardpoint specifically, uh, it'll be a good year for matches. Yeah, I think you had the nail on the head there, to be honest, both of you. And I think that the map design itself is probably the biggest issue, but obviously bringing in throwback maps, the game plays completely differently. Maps like High Rise, you can mantle on things that you just couldn't mantle on before. Um, I think some of them do play all right, but I think for me, that's the same thing. It's it's really a big issue with the the old maps coming back in, some of these hard points, especially the high TTK, etc. It just can, plays completely differently. Like you, obviously, you guys played MW2 back in the day on these maps, and it 
you know, you were one bombing people across the map. You were running an ACR. People were getting spawn trapped uh, from top helipad. It's plays completely differently now. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what sort of DLC maps come in. I think DLC maps are always interesting as well because I feel like it's hard to get a good gauge of how they play when you have sort of limited amount of time to test them as well. I feel like a lot of the time we kind of just brush past it very quickly and uh, try and figure out the maps. And that's why the throwback maps previously on like Cold War, for example, um, yeah. were quite easy to introduce because they played fairly similar uh, yeah. to like Black Ops 2. And they cherry pick like the best ones, right? Like yeah. you're gonna yeah. raid and stand up, like yeah. So that that's always tough. And two, I I guess another concern is how active we know Sledge has been very like supportive and active thus far, much more than we got with Infinity Ward in the past. But I still think there's a lot of changes that need to be made in terms of like, I mean, Chris, we were talking about it a few days ago, like the the zones in control, like their placements on some of these maps feel really random and like. Um, I think, you know, Invasion's a really good example of that we were talking about. It's like, why not just use the, the S&D bomb sites? Like, that's what um, was used in, in Demolition in Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Like, those are good objective sites, and, and, like, you can just flip back to the natural offensive defense spawns, and I feel like they tried to just get creative to change it, but, like, I don't think that's a necessary uh, thing that had to been done. I think it would have worked going the simpler route. So I'm wondering how active Sledge in general will be in making some of these, like, what we think is pretty simple changes just to make the, the overall gameplay better. Well, they managed to flip an entire spawn, I think, in the latest patch with the pros are not on um, for one of the maps. I think sub base, like the offense and defense spawns got completely flipped. I don't know if maybe that was just an error when they first like made the map in mode, because when you spawn into it, you were kind of just confused as to why you were spawning so far away on the defensive end and you were spawning so close on the offensive end. So it could have just been an error that they ended up just going back and fix. But Sledge has uh, seemed very receptive to feedback that pros and the community has given when it comes to this game. The problem is, is now that the CDL has actually started, we know how these pros get whenever the CDL actually starts. A lot of them kind of just deal with it right they have their minor complaints where it's like oh fix this fix this you know glitch that glitch that but when it comes to the way a game plays or the maps we play um they're very stubborn to kind of change anything or maybe it's just laziness um they don't go out of their way to go in and be like oh this might be better this might be a better you know uh, this might be a good addition um, because they're so focused on practice i can't really blame them obviously it's not really their place to do so but um i'm, I'm curious to see how that is actually going to affect Pretty much everything because i'm not too optimistic on that end to be honest yeah and like you said this weekend we're playing on the previous patch and just from my experience watching practice and stuff like that on this game on the new patch since it's, it's came in you've you're going to see a big flip on some of these maps in terms of how they're played uh, sub base i'd say is the one that's changed completely uh, if you've watched a lot of these initial matches from this weekend it's a very aggressive mixy map at all times and it actually slows down completely now with the the spawn changes so like I'm not, yeah yeah like you know on the pretty much every hill you're wanting to control the p2 p3 side of the map and you're just gonna have them spawn out in narnia like pretty much the entire game so um it's definitely gonna change the pace completely when that patch comes in which i believe may not even be this weekend like the next weekend's matches i think it might not be until new year is what i've heard but i don't know if that's confirmed or not but that is what the rumors. either way so what's all i've seen do you do you like think objectively it plays better in the new update it's, I'd say some maps play a lot better, some maps play worse. I'd think um, Terminal for me is the one that I think got got worse due to some of the spawn changes. I think that sub-base improved a lot. Uh, we were seeing so many games that were just ending on time. Um, yeah. We didn't really see that many this weekend, to be fair. I'd seen more in practice on people's streams and things like those, but 
this weekend we've we've seen pretty good sub base gameplay, but I think that it will improve as as time goes on. What's funny too is like, um, you know, we're talking about the game's going to slow down. Like, I don't know if you guys have paid attention any to like the betting um, on COD, but like the the over unders are pretty low. Like, I mean, like the the lines are pretty low as is. And if we're talking about the game slowing down even more, you, if you're betting, you might want to slam the under on almost everything. If, if you're going to be spying out more, you're going to be less killed on the map. Yeah, it's yeah, kind true. of funny how they just like all the all the betting sites had such high numbers, you know, comparing it to last year. Um, that's just something that also I kind of wanted to bring up is just I feel like this game, like, although I think we've had a lot of close games um, early in the season, which has created some excitement. The pacing of the game, I feel like is kind of slow um, at times. And I feel like you don't necessarily get into as many as engagements. I think it's because it's rotation heavy. I think people are literally just giving one, maybe two attempts at breaking certain hills and then rotating um, unless they try to like sneak scrap time, which is, I think, a big thing in this game, because um, unlike other games where like hitting old is very punishable, uh, this game kind of hitting old or trying to like be that hero person to like go take the one B one of the guy collecting scrap time is actually not a bad play in this game quite quite often. Um, but yeah, the pacing of the game, at least in respawn, not a big fan of it. Um, Subbase is probably the only map that is a uh, very like super engagement heavy. It's exciting to actually kind of watch POVs. People get in the mix more, but I think they actually kind of turn that down a lot now. I used to see when I played eights like a lot of SMGs, and now it's like sometimes having an SMG out is like detrimental because you can't actually like get a pick on like a break. So I don't know. I- I'm not a big fan of the pacing of this game. SND of this game is fun though. I will say that again. Yeah, 100%. I'm enjoying S&D in this game too. I think it's going to be one of those ones where we see it. Um, a lot of like more higher level strategies as well on S&D. But again, we're kind of playing very basic maps at the same time. So yeah. I honestly don't know entirely how it's going to play out as time goes on. It could end up being one of those ones where everyone just runs around as a wolf pack and four man's things just due to the high TTK and stuff like Some that. Some maps so. do play like that. Some maps do play like that. Yeah. Uh, but anyways... Um, Outside of that, Modern Warfare 3, obviously, this is the game we're stuck with. Um, next thing that we can talk about is uh, let's talk about that YouTube Twitch drama. Um, as you guys know, if you guys have been paying attention recently, um, me and Pat are a part of the flank, um, obviously. And uh, we've been hit with the Twitch slash YouTube drama pretty hard with the announcement that the CDO um, was going to be exclusive. Um, it, it got released the day before the CDL started, which was insanely unacceptable. Um there's been a lot of backlash in the community in terms of um, how they have been approaching um, content made with the CDL. Now it's not just so much like, Oh, don't show the live stream while it's live. Don't show the gameplay. Now it's more so like any sort of content piece that uses any sort of CDL um, clips, um, audio, any of that stuff. They want it to be exclusively on YouTube and as a person that pretty much has a pretty big Twitch channel, um, myself, people like Tom Zuma or Tom, sorry, Zuma Scump, all those guys, it's been hitting uh, them pretty hard and they've been trying to navigate that. So what are your guys thoughts on this whole, this whole deal? Uh, I mean, I'll go first. I, I agree. I, I honestly, I think it's a huge slap in the face to the community as a whole, but also these massive content creators, right. That have like, in my opinion, almost put the CDL in, on their back, like in reality, the last couple of years since we shifted to the CDL model. And like, we, we've, we, I don't think anyone can argue that, like, as far as content as a whole goes on the Activision side, it's been super dry, like super dry. They, they, there's not like post production shows on there, and it's literally in, do the matches, and get out. That's all the, the content the CDL has. And so when you have all these creators, like obviously Scump and Zoomer, the, 
the main two in our scene at the moment, like doing content, like watch parties and shows afterwards and breakdowns and this and that, like that's, that shit's so important. Um, and so, you know, yeah, we, we, everyone I think understands that exclusivity deals are a part of every sports league, right? They always will be. Um, last year was a little bit of an anomaly when the CDL couldn't get an exclusive deal and they did an, an open system. But even when we go back to cold war and Vanguard, um, when, when we were exclusive on YouTube, they had no issues, um, using Tom as an example, you know, doing the, the live streams on Twitch, just covering most of the gameplay and then instantly doing the, the show afterward. And, um, and, and then obviously showing gameplay, but now they're bumping it up to a level where it's like any CDL content at all that, that is on YouTube stream cannot be replayed on Twitch ever, literally ever. That's that's the mandate that they're giving, um, or they're gonna they're gonna throw down DMCA strikes, um, and so I think just as a league like that is that is a massive slap in the face, and and when you really think about it, like I don't think CDL gets an exclusivity deal without Seth and Zuma doing the numbers they did last year, right? Like oh not at all. There was there was multiple events where you could have added Seth and Zuma's viewers together, and it was like two x what the CDL stream was. Um, and so I think the issue is like, you want to work with your creators to do these, like these, these deals, not just say, Hey, we did a deal. We're going to fully exclude you. And it, you either do it our way or we're not, like, we're not going to let you be involved at all. Right? Like that's essentially what they're doing. So, um, I think it's pretty scummy because also when you look at the YouTube side of it for me, and this obviously is just my speculation, like the way I'm looking at this is YouTube was like, Hmm, okay. Zuma and Seth do a lot of their content um, throughout the, at least during the season uh, with watch parties and these shows, right? It's a, it's a bulk of their content. And so for them to sign an exclusivity deal and then enforce all these rules that have never been a thing prior, it really feels like a way that they, you know, bought the exclusivity deal with CDL, but tried to essentially force the hand of Zuma and Scump to also join YouTube, right? Like that's, that's what it feels like. Cause they're saying, you can't do any of this content on Twitch anymore, even on your own streams um, and, and post like after the events are even over, you can't go on YouTube where there's the content is posted and, and, and go over it, even though it's free content for everyone um, to watch. So <laughs> for me, it's, it's again, a slap in the face and it's just like, it, it really feels like bad business and it's anti-community. And um, you know, I, I don't obviously don't know the inner workings of the deal, but my expectation is this is a one and done year, right? Like, because I, I just can't see, um, personally, you know, this, this being anything outside of this year for reasons also other than, um, you know, we saw what happened with Overwatch League where the teams got bought out and the league essentially ended. My expectation is we're going to see something similar to that at the end of 2024. Um, and I think this was just like that final kind of final money grab, if you will, um, to, to kind of milk everything that, it, that you can. And on top of the budget cuts that we obviously were made aware of, right? They cut talent. We lost two casters. Um, we, we, we talked about the, you know, there's going to be less events this year. Like, I think it's all kind of riding on the wall that the CDL is, is, is coming to an end. I think what blew my mind though, and you already touched on it a little bit is this is public information. Cause uh, Tom and Ben both talked about it on stream during the flank is that, um, they were offered something. So 
I think CDL kind of knew this would potentially be an issue, and like they waited to the last possible. I don't know. Actually, I'm not going to say CDL because apparently it's not the league. It's, it's like Activision. Um, Activision waited for the last possible that. minute. That is the CDL, right? Like, yeah, but I don't think it's like everyone at the CDL. It's like the business side of it, right? It's not the people that just like it's work the there that want to. That's it's the executives. Need, yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, they waited till the last minute. They waited till the day before to announce it. They waited till the weekend of to basically try to figure something out. They had an entire offseason talk about it. Um, they offered um, Tom something. I'm sure they offered Seth something. Um, so that way they would just basically do everything on YouTube. Um, and basically, they're trying to not pay them what they're worth um, and basically just encompass them with the deal without actually pay, like being fair to them and talking it out. Maybe that thing changes, but obviously... Um, I don't know with how Activision as a company, um, their reputation, it's just, I, I don't know, man, it's just looking grim. Um, I'm really hoping that, um, at the very least, um, we can go back to what our original plan was with the guidelines and still being able to do, um, content with Twitch outside of actual watch parties. Cause that was the best system that we could have possibly had outside of just being on Twitch. Yeah. yeah I, I just wanted to say one thing, like, um, I fully understand how exclusivity deals work, and I think, you know, if, if, if the expectation is while the stream is live, right, like, only while it's live, you cannot broadcast on Twitch. I think that's fair. Like, that's just, that's what we have to live with with the exclusivity deal. But the problem that I think is how far they've pushed this past that, right? Like, now you can't do any content whatsoever. That's just not okay in any sense of, of you know, for the community. Yeah, and I think that, like you just have hit the nail on the head, we have a situation here where it almost feels like whoever is in charge of these business deals, uh, we don't know, I guess, people are saying CDL, Activision, whoever that may be, um, it doesn't necessarily matter. I think the biggest issue that really the community is having here is it seems almost at this point like the CDL are waiting till the last possible second to announce all these things so that the backlash of any of the bad news that may be coming out there is very minimal because then we're switching quickly into the matches and it's like a more of a distraction. I feel like a lot of these situations and even looking at challengers as well, same thing. I think that it's been kind of clear to see that these things have been figured out for a little while now, but it seems like everything's a very last minute. Uh, we're seeing yeah. teams cutting budgets and, and obviously the CDL as a whole is, is cutting back in a lot of different situations. So it's definitely concerning, I think. Um, and and it, like you said, I think that we have a situation here where you have a valid reason to not want teams to or streamers content creators whatnot to stream the matches live well obviously youtube's got an exclusive deal but at the end of the day what is the harm in doing this post uh, like content there's Gameplay really none breakdowns yeah exactly like... there's really no harm and i think that that's the thing that doesn't really make sense there's a lot of decisions being made that just don't make sense overall for the health of esport and i think that that's pretty much everyone's concern across the scene so yeah, I mean, hopefully things pick up, but we've seen years and years of, to be honest, poor decisions being made. So um, yeah. I'm not too optimistic about it. I mean, too, at the end of the day, like, you know, even if the CDL, right? And, and when we say the CDL, we're talking about like this closed circuit system, you know, these franchise spots. It, even if this format ends, I think competitive COD's okay, right? Like competitive COD has been around long before the CDL, and I think it'll be around long after the CDL. Um, the big thing for me is just like getting out of this like forced sports model, right? That they tried to basically force uh, from these executives that honestly were just out of touch with esports as a whole. Um, and we've seen it. I, to me, it's just been 
an experiment over the last five years, you know, at the expense of the community, right? Like we, the one, the one big thing too, that I hate is like, and you guys have been to events the last few years. These events don't feel anything, anything like what events used to be like. And I think that's the biggest disservice for everyone, fans, players, aspiring players, amateurs, like that's, that's the biggest downside. So I guess my take is, you know, even if something happens with the CDO and we shift to a different format, going back to, you know, maybe more traditional style, I think competitive COD is, is here to stay and, and we'll all be always be fine. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like all doom and gloom, like, oh, I want the CDL just to end. I think there's another side of it that people are understanding is that there's a life for competitive COD outside of the CDL. And I think that life is better for, for everybody involved. Yeah. With that being said, do you think this is, uh, this is the last year of the CDL or do you think, uh, Maybe it's got another year, or what? What do you think the timeline looks like for that? Personally, I think this is the last year, uh, and I think you know the Overwatch thing, right? They, uh, for those that don't know, Overwatch League has been around for a, quite a bit longer. I think twenty seventeen, um, and they just had you know they had the the same model, right? That that the CDL is, um, but they just dissolved and they paid out the teams uh, basically a buyout fee to dissolve the league, and I. You know, I think something similar will happen here. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think, you know, with the writing on the wall, what we've heard, what we've seen, um, I really expect this to happen in 2024 at the end of this season. Um, you know, obviously, we, we're always going to have a long off season. If the, the COD season ends in July, somewhere between July and the new game coming out, I think we'll see the same thing we saw with Overwatch this past few months. Um, and I think, honestly, I think it's a good thing. Um, I, the only person, people that really get affected is, you know, these orgs who bought into this, what feels like a lie. Um, but outside of that, I think, you know, we, we, we take a step back and we go back to what we know has always worked. It's kind of like a, a rebuilding step. Um, and I think it'll be a lot healthier for the scene. And I think everybody will be better off for it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm anticipating it after the end of this season. Yeah. For me, I think it'd probably be a positive thing. I think the people who are probably going to be most affected by it are going to be the, the top players. The guys who are getting paid like the big bucks, you know, you'd expect the, like budgets to drop back down if we were yeah. going back to a CWL model. But if you look at like the grassroots level of COD, right, and, and challengers right now, there's no organizations out there. There's there's really nothing to be done in challengers. And I think that that's kind of the biggest concern really is that we're absolutely killing off the grassroots ecology. We're not having those opportunities to see those. Obviously, we did have a lot of times back in the day where you'd have those players and teams coming through the open bracket and then coming in and not doing well. But also, you did have a lot of great stories as well where teams did have maybe a decent first event and then they propel themselves from there. And I think that we've really lost out on those storylines. So I'd like to see, obviously, us going back to that. And I think it will just distribute the wealth amongst you know more people because at the end of the day i think right now it's just the upper top teams the top players outside of that the bottom four teams are getting paid like minimum they're yeah. you know going budget outside of the league players aren't making any money unless they're winning prize money so it's it's difficult i personally and- think that the way the cdo has like essentially trained the people that even some of the old heads man it's kind of weird to see like um, it's trained like the brains of some of these players and people coming in to kind of like look at this almost like a sport even like dude esports in general and like call of duty has never been like a sports type of like esports it's very content based like you need to go out there and make content we grew up on streaming scrims streaming tournaments um youtube all that stuff right like some of the pioneers like scup nature all those guys like they got big off youtube 
And those guys are doing just fine, right? Nowadays, a lot of these players, like, I think there's been a little bit more streaming traffic nowadays, but obviously no one streams or scrims anymore, and there's not really any online tournaments to stream anymore. So um, pretty much all people do is stream eights or like S&D or stuff like that. But, um, you know, having a brand and just having consistent content around esports is how esports succeeds. It's not based on these like leagues. Leagues are terrible. No one wants to watch leagues. Pat makes this point all the time. Who cares about a league match between two bottom, like, you know, bottom teams? Like, I'd rather have, like, a tournament bracket where those bottom teams play. All right, we watch them, whatever, for a second. They get eliminated, and boom, we're back to playing, watching good teams for the rest of the weekend. But this league format, right, with, like, people buying rights into the league, it pretty much protects these organizations from, like, um, just being, a, like, almost like having a participation trophy. It's like, it's hey, equal we're the watch league. time for everybody, exactly. right? Leagues, leagues are made for, for equal watch time for everyone involved. It should that, be competitive. That's, that's it. It should be a competitive atmosphere where people are striving to be on that stage as long as possible, have as many eyes as possible on them, not just be like, okay, we're here and that's all that matters. No, because then, it be, you know, like the teams, the players, they get complacent. Everyone's just basically playing for a paycheck rather than having to earn their paycheck because it's basically contingent on them, like being on that stage, you know, performing, you know, getting on better teams and stuff like that. My, yeah, my, big, my big complaint too is like, um, when we when we when we look at what what we could do, right? Content wise, Chris, you know, you said players don't really stream and build their brands anymore. I don't necessarily blame them entirely because we've seen the rules too. Teams can't even enter tournaments as full squads. Like these CDL squads can't even enter tournaments together. Um, and so anything that they do like that, they have to jump into these you know creator made mixed tournaments like. The days of like the 2Ks every weekend, like this is, I think, where Nade really blew up was streaming like the weekly weekend 2Ks or 5Ks, whatever it was. It was basically every weekend you got to see your favorite team compete in a tournament. Like, and it was yeah. an online tournament. It was perfectly fine. Maybe it was only for a couple hundred bucks, but again, that's incentive for every team to broadcast that. That's, that's awesome for the fans. That's, you know, I've never agreed with streaming scrims. And I don't think that should, you know, have to be what players rely on, but like, there should be weekly or bi-weekly tournaments that these teams get to compete in online. That That is the most entertaining form of esports. What people want to see is competition. And league matches, I don't think, are real competition. They're just glorified show matches. And for me, they're just... They're they're not authentic to, to the teams and the players. And so, um, you know, 100%. I think... I think in this model specifically, players are super limited around the content they can create when it comes to strictly just the game, right? Like, I think we're past the day and age where, where fans want to watch players go and play ranked only or play pubs or whatever that may be. I think they want to, you know, see the inner workings of what they're invested in um, into the esports as a whole. And that's watching these teams compete day in and day out. And so, um, you know, I again, I think there's a lot of positives that can come from this closed ecosystem model of the CDL. And going back to more of what, you know, what we believed, you know, the grassroots that worked for, for many years. Yeah, I'd like to see them taking some of the, the good points that there has been some positives to CDL. I don't want to say it's all been negative, but I think taking some of the, the good things that have came from CDL and bring it back into the old model, I think we could actually see, you know, a much more successful uh, Call of Duty ecosystem, to be honest with you. So hopefully that is what goes on going forward but um obviously we've had some changes to the format this year so like we should probably touch on that as well um we're gonna have less uh lands uh, more online matches and obviously the land matches now as well are much more important with more points being on the line so interesting to know your guys thoughts on that and um you know 
I think for me, at the, at the very least, having more important, impactful online matches has really been a concern over the last couple of years in the CDL. You've had teams that have kind of ghosted through the LAN matches and just got to champs through just pure online performance. So yeah. I'm glad that we're missing out on that. Um, that's one thing I'd say that's been a positive change for the CDL. But what, what do you guys think about it? Uh, well, personally, um, I don't think much has changed. Uh, I think they like made the, the land points count some more, but the online points are still there, and technically we're playing more online matches. Um, the only thing that um, is better now is there's less strength of schedule um, cheese, like as, as some people like to call it. Yeah. Uh, where you're just like playing these really easy teams and then you get to a major and get like a, you know, a bloated, a bloated seed for it. Um, that's, I think, the only positive. But listen, at the end of the day, man, leagues, leagues got to go. The league matches, no one cares. Uh, no one wants to watch like the bottom tier teams eventually midseason, end of season. We're going to lose interest. The fans are going to lose interest watching the teams that you already know are not qualifying for the teams that are not good play against a good team. Um, Listen, try as they might, the format isn't getting I much think, better. I th I think you know. Um, so just to to discuss the you know what the changes were, they jumped from I think five matches per stage to now seven, um, yeah. and I think that was done also to eliminate like the the tiebreakers too, and and also help the strength of schedule. Um, but yeah, the the big issue was always that like, you know, it, last year and the years prior the league matches were only exciting for like the first weekend and maybe the second, right? After that, mm. the standings were decided and like, you didn't really have a reason to care because you're also going to get to the point where like, yeah, it basically just becomes, oh, well, it's a top team versus a bottom team. And, and we know those matches are snooze fest, especially when we look at, you know, how the talent is divided in the league now. Um, yeah. and, and so, I mean, that I think is at least a positive, but the, the big downside is is the lack of events, right? Like we cut the events back by well, I think one. We have one less major, but with with that now we also it, it affects challengers, right? Like the the pros are getting one less major, and then the challengers are potentially getting two less majors. Um, and so you know, obviously there's a cost to put on challengers for these teams that run these home events. Um, and luckily, you know, there's a few CDL teams are, who are really invested: Boston, Toronto. Um, who really want to put on these events and they, they found success doing it in the past. But, um, you know, I think <clears throat> going back to your point, Mark, about just the league as a whole and how important it is to get like the bottom, you know, players to be able to have a, a pathward up, which I think is what the CDL has really hurt. I think, again, it's just another dagger, right? Like the, the challenger system should be the, the you know front priority, in my opinion. Like you have to build the, the league on top of that. And, and right now, I think, you know, year after year after year, Challengers is getting more and more and more shafted. And, you know, we've seen obviously all the orgs pull out out of challengers because there's no way for them to break into the league. And so, like, even if you talk about profitability, all they can really rely on is having a player sign who becomes a star and then just praying that one of these top teams want to buy them out. And, I mean, shit, we haven't even seen buyouts in the actual league, right? Like, especially the last couple of years. But even before that, like, if you look at the CDL as a whole, I think I can name like three buyouts that have actually occurred uh, while the CDL has been a thing. So, yeah, I think I think that really sucks. And especially, you know, I think the challengers ecosystem as a whole with game battles closing down and now it's rumored to maybe be like working with face it. Like there's just so much uncertainty. And I think that really hurts. Um, but 
Uh, I do at least like that they extended the year out a bit. I think, you know, last year we ended early June. Now we'll end mid-July-ish. Um, I think that was a plus. Um, but I still don't know if they got this format perfect. Like, we were talking about it before. Like, we're doing two weekends in November and then having a month-long break. And then we have, like, the January stuff. And then we have, like, a, almost an... There's, there's going to be... I, I think it's between February and April. There's going to be, like, eight weeks... That eight or nine weeks, and there's no lands. Like from, I think it's major one to major two. Actually, like it's going to be like eight or nine weeks. Like that's a long time to just not have any lands. Like there's a break, and it's only online. Um, so I think you know there there needs to be more thought put into you know how the the season is being structured. Um, I think it's better than last year. Last year was really rough, but um, again, that goes back to the complexity of you know having these CDL franchise teams that are required or responsible for putting on events in their own cities. And that's something again, that not in a CDL model, I think benefits the entire community. I personally just don't think we need a six month off season. Yeah. Like, no, I, I agree. Is, yeah. It is insane, but we don't need that kind of rest. I mean, I'm like, Oh, well, this guy thinks he's on the team. <laughs> we, <laughs> we example, but you get the point. There's just no reason. I mean, typically off seasons were what, like a month and a half max. Like that's basically like most of the time we were having events in October and then we, we had the, events all year pretty much. After yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, it was literally like, I remember in, uh, I think two games, it was the end of ghost and the end of, uh, black ops one, the, the event for the season prior was after the new game came out. Yeah, so, yeah. um, yeah, I think, I think that as a whole is really important to get right. I think, you know, there's no reason, especially in esports, to not run the event season year long. Um, and so, yeah, I really hope that changes because this all, last off season was the longest thing ever. It was legit six months of, of nothingness. Um, I mean, it's been basically six months since we ran a reverse sweep. Like, think about that. Like, that's a long ass time. So I really hope that um, that also can, can it, you know, whether the CDL stays or goes, I really hope that can, can revert back to having a, a longer season. 100%. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think that, like, look at the AW year for example. I think we had an event first week of the game. Then it's like the very last week of the game. We've still got events like the world, uh, the world, world finals, yeah, whatever it was yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had like sixteen events or something like like something yeah. insane. Yeah, that was that was wild though. That was that was like CS level. Yeah, um, but that but those are the days, bro. That's like the fun. That's I think Call of Duty just very much grew up on a tournament like environment where people want to see tournaments people want to see high stakes environments i mean hell like esl like uh, i think uh, csgo does have like esl it's like a league but like that's not all they have they have a ton of tournaments well they have so many vendors that run run stuff um, exactly I think that's, that's the benefit like, that they have that's like what i hope call of duty goes back to because i mean i still remember the days of umg and mlg and gfinity and all sorts of stuff i think that would be the best case scenario if we ended up going back to something like that it'd be it'd be awesome yeah, I mean, thinking of um, those, all those events back in the day as well, all the traveling, great times yeah. to be honest, great times. <laughs> a lot of travel. <laughs> Anyways, uh, with pretty much all that stuff uh, out of the way, you know, all the off-season stuff, all the CDL announcements, so let's uh, let's actually dive right in to the actual CDL matches. Um, we got a couple new teams here. We got the Miami Heretics, a new team, new uh, organization, and I guess well, who else is it? Uh, I think G2 uh, got involved with Rocker. They pretty much like took over the, the V1 brand. And then we got North Carolina um, now. Uh, well, now the North Carolina Ravens or the Carolina Ravens. Is it? Do they have North attached to their name? 
Yeah, but theirs wasn't too much of a big no. change because they were already based in Charlotte, right? Like they yeah. just relocated their franchise. It's not like a new group. Like Heretics is a brand new group, and so is now G two taking over all the rocker stuff. But um, yeah, we got some new faces, um, both players and and organizations, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, with the start of the season, man, we had some great matches this weekend. Uh, who 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 got who impressed you guys the most out of all the teams that pretty much played this weekend? I mean, we only seen them for one game, but I was really impressed by the Miami Heretics um, coming in in the first match, going up against, albeit not a top four team in Carolina, a team that was getting a lot of props, especially at the start of the game and how they're performing in scrims. I know they had put a lot of effort in. They were one of the teams that were coming in and scrimming on day one. And think for me, like you've obviously seen a bunch of these players on Miami Heretics in the league uh, previously. I've worked personally with Vico, with uh, Lucky and Metals when I was in Toronto. So like, I know those guys well, and I think that for me, one of the issues when I was always coaching them, maybe not Vico, because I think his English is very good. I think when you put these guys in an environment where they're able to communicate and be in their like native language, I think that that allows them to actually perform at a higher level. Because uh, I just do think it's one of those things, it's always a bit of a barrier when you're bringing these sort of players into um, these English-speaking environments. And some players take to it fine, some players don't. Um, and for me, I think that they look very similar to the Miami Heretics of old, like on Black Ops 4 and whatnot. They're obviously a very similar roster, uh, with Vico now being on the team. But apart from that, I think that they're playing very similar, you know, very much on top of each other at all times, always in trading positions. And and from what everything I've heard from different coaches and players in the league, I think that they're performing really well in scrims too. So... For me, um, seeing them coming up winning three zero against a team that isn't a bad team whatsoever, in my opinion, in Carolina, I think it was a a great start for them. What about you, Pat? Um, I think the team that impressed me most was probably Seattle. Right, like, um, they were. I think going into the season, we all kind of had them middle of the pack. Right, like you know their their roster was like that. Where could they be five through nine? Um. But honestly, I mean, they 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 went up against two teams who were also in that middle of the pack bubble, and they had pretty impressive wins against each. They three won uh, the breach and three won the thieves, um, and I thought that was impressive. Um, I you know I wasn't expecting Illy to come out and look as good as he did. I don't know about you guys, like he he was surprising. He's it's been like I think almost a year since he even competed. So um, to see him come out and, and fry was, was good to see. The other one. Um, I agree with your take on Heretics, Mark. I personally had them pretty low um, yeah. going into the season without obviously knowing, but but yeah, they 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 definitely looked good as well. Um, outside of that, I think that's the only teams who impressed me. The, the 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 people who really let me down was the Breach. I don't know about you guys, but I thought they looked pretty bad. Um, I know their games, some of their games went down to the wire and they were close, but. You know, this was like our rumored team to be like the guaranteed fifth best team. Yeah. Um, and I didn't see that at all out of them I didn't, personally. I didn't either. Um, so that was that was rough to see. Um, and I, I, I was going to say Vegas impressed me uh, mainly because of their S&D. But like that, that game five that they just had against Carolina, I think just took that out of the out of my impressive impressive pool. Um but yeah, I think, you know, I, I think my, my takeaway after week week one has been um, some teams are better than I thought they would be, which is a good thing because I think the league uh, is more competitive than I thought it would be. Um, but I still think, you know, I, I, I thought FaZe looked great and I thought Ultra looked great. So I still think those are the top two dogs. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. um, I, I do like to see that, you know, those teams that I thought were um, 9 through 12 or 5 through 9, 
um, do look a lot better than I than I had had expected. I'm pretty much on the same page as both of you guys. I was very impressed by both of those teams, but players that impressed me. Simp looks unbelievable on this game. That guy is returned to form tenfold. He, I think he put up like 40 kills in one of his recent games. And SD, he's constantly making plays. Um, he looks like the best player on his team, which he hasn't since what? Uh, Cold War. Like the guy. It's also hard for him to look for the best on a team that has yeah, four that superstars is every right? year. And then um, you got Kenny. Kenny on the optic roster. You didn't expect him to play um, as good as he has uh, for this team. This game is a very AR heavy game right now. So it's good to see him uh, performing in that role. But I mean, with the likes of Pred and. Dashy and even Shotzi on their team, you kind of didn't expect them to to be the highest slaying player on his team a lot of the time. But he's looked amazing, man. He it's a, this is good signs. Like Optic at the end of the day did lose that first game to New York, uh, which they ended up like losing in that game five and that absolute choke. So I think some of the problems that plague this Optic roster show in a little bit right there. You know, peeking through the curtain. But as for like the slaying potential, like I think Kenny was old, mainly the only question mark that you had there when it came to slaying with the big dogs. And he's been able to play uh, pretty damn good so far. So, I mean, if they can get together, I mean, like these guys look like they can be a real contender this year um, along the likes of, you know, they are phase and ultra, which pretty much seem to already have this figured out. I, I kind of feel the same way you do about simp uh, toward Kleenex. Um, Mark, I know you know Kleenex um, very well, but like, I think he's really going to benefit from this this game, um, which is, in my opinion, going to make this... like He's always been gross, don't get me wrong, but I think it's really going to benefit this Ultra Squad, um, maybe even more so than getting Envoy, which I think was a, a, you know, a, a big move for them. Um, but, but in that first series, he looked disgusting. Like, I would say he almost impressed me more than Simp, um, just because of the how much he just like... like he, he had a masterclass in his series. Um, I'm curious though, what you guys think about LAG because I we I, I want to talk about the series today because they could have literally had a four they've been up four zero against the subliners and then obviously that game five was kind of uh, who who knows what was going on but like I, I feel like in both their series they got skill gapped but they don't look bad it's it's really weird right like I feel like they're just getting out talented um, so I'm curious what you guys think because I don't know I don't know what to think of these guys like I I'm, think- I'm confused i think they they are team friendship at the end of the day like i think they trust each other and they know that the position they're in and they they all trust each other to kind of make the better plays and they're they they feel like they're a very closed off team where they're just like gonna work hard and they're gonna try to like their best to improve as to as as opposed to some other teams that would just crumble and fall apart immediately after not seeing any sort of success so i think like they have that going for them um but yeah for me if they're pretty much getting skill gapped i think they're choking a lot they choked a lot in that new york series but i mean they're a pretty young team um diamond con's only been in the league with that new york subliners team and then pretty much hasn't seen it since assault's been in there he's probably a veteran and then fame and estrio are pretty much are pretty much new uh faces of the league uh fame has not looked the best i think he's thrown up two pretty sneaky series um but diamond con he looks amazing i think uh that guy not being in the league for this long was Kind of, kind of a criminal because I think he's a really, really good AR player and he can, uh, he can play, you know, with the best. Um, even ever since he was on that New York Subliners roster. Um, but I mean, do I think these guys are gonna be a top team or anything like that? No, but I think they could like maybe after a while maybe be like a dark horse, you know, cause some upsets, maybe have maybe show some potential from some of their like superstar players on their team or would be superstar players if you want to call them that. Um, and maybe 
later down the line if you know in the offseason if these guys obviously turn out to be pretty good players maybe people like diamond con will get another chance to play with some better players or maybe even astrio proves himself as a really good smg player um only time will tell not really too high on their roster i mean even though they're my friends i'm not going to be biased but at the end of the day they're making do with uh you know what they have a lot of people are going to give them flack because we know that asim like gunless cramp team or whatever that was supposed to go through um and people are obviously big fans of those guys but at the end of the day man like who's to say that those guys would be doing any better like they played against toronto and they played against new york like do you really think that asim cramp and those guys would have probably won that series but that's, Probably that's, not. that's why they're a confusing team because they played against two powerhouses that I almost expected them to get smoked in both series. And, you know, the Toronto one, I think, was a super skill gap. But, like, that New York one was like, dude, they were, they should have been up 4 0. Like, Mark, I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you, what do you, what's your take on the squad? I mean, I think LAG is a difficult one because every year they're just constantly rebuilding the roster and it's like there's no continuity there. So when you're coming into those clutch uh, situations, you know, specifically game one today against New York, they're all just going separate ways. There's no, like, you know, let's reinforce P2 side so that we can, at the very least, rotate to the last hill. It's very, like, simple game management stuff. And I think that comes in time and working together as a team. And I think when you're constantly rebuilding rosters, it's it's harder to build that off the start. So, for me, I think that they've got a, a decent team. I think that, you know, there's some good pieces in there. I think that, like you said, it's going to be difficult for them to compete for winning or anything along those lines. They're... I do believe will cause some upsets. I think they've got the the talent there to do that. But in terms of consistently stringing results together to you know finish top three, top four in a tournament, even I think it's going to be pretty difficult for them. Yeah, hundred percent. I uh, off the top of my head, I'm thinking about this now. I think I think I really want to start something with you guys uh, every week. Um, it's basically like think of this as your your too early hot seat. Um, so obviously we only saw three days of games, but if you had to pick three players who are on the hot seat, like, you know, if you keep, if you play the way you played this weekend, like your, your roster spot might be in jeopardy. What would you guys, would you guys think? Who, who are the players that you would put in, in that spot? And I want to reevaluate them, right? Like we can each, each weekend we can like think, okay, you know, we obviously had these players, had they perform, you know, who, who maybe took, takes their spot, um, or who's, who's obviously in trouble, right? Uh, my first one that came to mind is fame. He played very poorly in the two series against uh, the top four teams. So he just, he just flat out shit the bed for his team. Um, as for him getting dropped, like I said, I don't know. Those guys are all like very good friends and they probably trust each other to improve. But, um, I mean, if he keeps playing the way he does, uh, his future in the league is not going to look good. I think a lot of people were hyping him up on that rocker roster. Uh, whenever he got on that team, they started to play a little bit better. He looked pretty good on the submachine gun. Um, but then, you know, coming over to this roster, he really hasn't played too good. Another rookie. I mean, this, this, uh, fame was damn near rookie at this point. Um, purge purge didn't play too well, uh, during the Vegas season or Vegas, uh, Legion match uh, versus North Carolina, or I keep calling him North Carolina, but versus Carolina, <laughs> but, um, he didn't play too well. I think he's a really good S and D player, but his response have been very lackluster and a, he's a pretty young player. So, um, he's definitely got a lot of room to improve, but like, we know that when it comes to being a rookie, your lifeline in the league is very short. A lot of people want superstars from these rookie players to instantly come up and turn up big, um, as opposed to um, you know starting off slow and kind of having like a project where they get better and better over the years. And you know people people don't want that. They don't got time for that. There's other rookies. There's other veterans still in challengers. Um, so if you're not playing well, your replacement 
was knocking on that door. So those are the two players that I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I think for me, the one player I was really disappointed in the first weekend, I wouldn't necessarily say he's in the hot seat because I do actually rate him very highly, but Awakening, in my opinion, had a really disappointing weekend from what I'd seen. If you look at that roster on paper, um, specifically that match against Vegas and S&D, I think you're probably looking at Awakening to be one of their better S&D players if they're going to be able to string together results over a season. And he was you know, very poor in both those games. Um, so for me, I think Awakening is had a bad weekend. Again, would I put him in the hot seat? Probably not. I think if you're looking at a team that's maybe going to make changes early, I think you mentioned it obviously at the start of the, the show, Pat, that one of the teams from this weekend you're most disappointed in is Boston. And I think if you look at Boston historically, they've been very like quick to make roster changes. So like, is that something that you'd maybe think about in terms of, you know, any of those players? I think you could probably see them, if they continue to not string results together, they're going to constantly evaluate different options. I think that anyone at the end of the day could be replaceable in that roster at the current moment in time. Yeah, their their team is just confusing to me. Um, you know, granted they had some close series, but like I wasn't impressed by any one of them. Um, and they also both, they, they seem wildly inconsistent. I think Snoopy was probably their best player across both matches. Um, and I, I'll give Snoopy some slack because this is his first true season in the CDL. Obviously, he had a pretty impressive debut last year. Um, but really I was expecting Slasher and Priesta to, you know, they're both veterans, but like they're, they're not like veterans that are like old veterans. They're just veterans. Um, and I, I kind of were expecting them to come in and, and, um, I think I said on the flank, like this was a prove it year to me for both those guys, right? Like they both got dropped regardless of the reason, right? Slasher's never really found a home in the CDL. Preston's also bounced around a little bit. Um, and so I was expecting them to come on this this Boston team and like have a, a massive prove it year where they're just like, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and take over series. Um, obviously playing for the win, but like have impressive, impressive debuts. And I was not impressed by the Boston team at all. So, so um, yeah, I would say as a roster, I think Boston is a good pick um, yeah. for players. I, I think I agree with you, Chris. I think Purge and Fame are definitely my one and two. Uh, I think Purge had a really bad weekend. Um, so did fame, but the other player, um, you said awakening Mark, and I don't disagree with that, but I also think Lamar, um, Lamar had a really bad series today. Um, a pretty average series the other day to me, it's like the way I see Lamar is it's, it's at this point where it's like, look, Lamar, like you're, you're getting talent every year and you're just not performing to standards that I think, you know, the, at least for the rocker trying to build a winning team, um, it's good enough, you know, period. Um, I, I yeah. think Lamar needs to be more consistent as a whole. You know, he's playing a main AR role. Every team he has does like the, you know, a Betty school, whatever, like he's running the squad, but it's like, um, I think performance wise, he needs to step up and obviously it's early, but um, that's kind of uh, my watch for, 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 I guess that rocker team in general, but definitely their ARs. I was not impressed by their ARs G2, at all. G2 is an organization that literally chases W's in every single game they play. They are a big esports organization. So when it comes to making moves and potentially chasing higher you know, tier players or even just chasing those W's, they're probably going to make changes if they continue to suck. Um, Boston at the uh, um, is on that same page, and I think their new sub is Pentagram. I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, he signs and, uh, with them, yeah. I think he's a sub. So, I mean, when it comes to making a roster change, if they're looking at transitioning their sub, it'd probably be either Snoopy or Cap, which um, I don't even know if that'd be a good idea. But, I mean, he would be probably their immediate substitute in. 
if they plan on even making think, sort um, of a change there. LAG also announced that they signed Flames, I Flames. believe. So it's worth yeah, worth mentioning that they have him as a sub on their roster. And, and that's Flames actually is a, Flames is an AR, and their two best players have been sub players. Yeah, so yeah. or not sub players, their two best ARs, players have yeah. been AR. So it's like yeah, no, unfortunately, that is weird that they sign an AR substitute instead of an SMG because most teams always sign the SMG substitute because it's the hardest role to fill, right? Because even if teams have good subs, like they never let them go, um, and they're also one of the harder roles to pull out of challengers um, because most challenger players who are subs aren't like the impressive style yeah. of play. So, so yeah, I think is, the reason why they probably signed him as a sub is because I think prior to the original LAG roster with Diamond, Kremp, um, those guys, Gunless, right, that whole rumored ros- roster, the Ch- Diamond Con's challenger team was Fame, Estriel, and Flames. So they pretty much just signed on their their former teammate because if let's say Assault is not you know working well with them, is not mixing well with them, then they can immediately just transfer over to their would-be challenger roster, which maybe they feel they might have more chemistry with. However, it doesn't look like that is their problem, at least right now. But we'll obviously see how that develops. Um, anyways. One thing I wanted to mention before we skip on is just jumping back to the Lamar thing, because I have one argument against um, the, the Lamar situation. I think that realistically Lamar has performed the same way for the last multiple seasons in the league and when Rocker are signing him as a player they know what they're getting from Lamar like that's they're not really surprised here in my opinion um he's kind of performing how he's expected to perform maybe not Do you think that's good enough uh, no I don't necessarily think no. that's good enough I think he definitely can perform way better um as in his role there's a lot of players that perform at a much higher level but I think a lot of teams just go to Lamar for that whole reasoning of, you know, he's a leadership type figure. And I do agree with all those things. I've worked with Lamar previously. I think he is a good leader. But I think at the end of the day, you need to be able to get your kills in to a certain extent. You need to be able to um, create openings for your teammates and all these sort of things. So I do think you need specific players around Lamar to have success, right? And I don't know if they've necessarily got that right now with this roster. So I'm, I, for me, I think that that's the concern. I'm just really scared that the S&D is going to be poor again. Um, obviously, Lamar was on that Seattle roster um, that had a really poor uh, S&D record at one point in time. They ended up getting it a little bit better, but that was off the back of, like, Pred. Because Pred was absurd yeah, in S&D. takeover Pred. <laughs> even though, like, they were, the record was poor. So, um, not really sure if that's going to transition again this year. You know, we'll see. Um, but pretty much talking about our disappointments here. Uh, moving forward... Let's talk about some of the. Let's talk about how. Uh, let's talk about Ultra and Phase, man. Because uh, Ultra and Phase, you guys said that these guys are two are clearly two, the the two most polished teams. I don't really know when the when we're gonna see those teams play, but I'm very excited. Um, you were talking about Kleenex, man, and Kleenex on this game. You said he looks like he's he's gonna be him again. You wanna know what was crazy when we talked about that, and we were talking about how he's he's very good at these higher TTK games. Now that I think about it, does the does the rival not remind you guys of like the Sog? Like, it's very just, like, spray, like, fast fire rate, like, just get in your face type of SMG. And I feel like, again, that is a gun that, you know, players like Simp or even uh, a Kleenex would thrive in. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. Um, I guess, too, like, um, we've talked about the maps, right? Like, I when, when we first looked at these Mono for 2 maps in general, and I know we're playing different game modes, yeah. but they're very open, right? All of them. They're very open. And, like... That makes a sub's job much harder 
than it than it otherwise would when you have like the maps last year like you basically had a building every five feet that you could be in <laughs> um but these maps are open they're open lane and so i think you know subs who know how to play their lives and like really really um be a nuisance are really good and, and i think that's why um simp uh obviously kleenex like, i think that's a big reason too why they're they're succeeding um with the fact that there's higher health because they're able to do that more often um obviously those guys are straight shooters in any cod they play um probably some of the most straight shooting smg players but as a whole i mean both these teams just look dominant to me i know phase went um game five with breach um but map five was was pretty convincing but i just as a whole i mean like i feel confident watching both of them like no matter who they play i feel like the the game it almost feels like the game is always in their hands like they're controlling the pace the tempo um they just feel ahead and if they get beat it's because a team just like upset them and, and took that over but like for the most part they're controlling the game from start to finish and i think that's what make you know just watching them what makes me so confident as as them as a whole and um i guess did you guys you know obviously the two big roster change for these guys was envoy uh joining toronto and draza joining phase like i don't know if i saw much difference from like those role switches jumping in um they still kind of to me look like the exact same teams just dominant phase and ultra um i don't know if you guys expected more or maybe think we'll see more from those two guys not to say those those guys aren't amazing in their own rights but i guess it didn't really feel like it it moved the needle because those teams were already so good um yeah i think it's just maybe in terms of their consistency factors and like being less likely and less prone to like fluke losses is probably um the one thing you'll get from having you know some stronger players on their team and envoy and draws um as for like actual just being like wow holy crap they're better than they were before i don't i think there's like a limit to like how good you can really be as a team in cod nowadays especially with how much more talent the, the the rosters are talented the rosters are and then the, obviously the games we're playing and on top of that it's the beginning of the season uh but no i don't i don't think the needles moved much but i mean did i like what i see now did i like what i see out of envoy yeah i think he's he looks really good in this game i think he's going to be really ratty and really annoying to play against um and that's going to probably enable kleenex to kind of just go out there and slay more and, and just basically have that backbone that support player in envoy to kind of like bounce off of and then um draza super aggressive ar dude like it, that's that just brings up their pacing um so much more um when you have uh especially when you have like simp going off too yeah and i think it just allows salem to be that more sort of robust backline type player which he's kind of played like that for the last couple of seasons anyway so i think that that definitely allows them to be a bit more well polished in terms of their roles because i think it was kind of a bit weird previously uh, like the last season they had alec and then last season, I think the, the AR duo was a bit awkward at different points in time, in my opinion. So I definitely think it makes them more fluid there. Um, I think with Ultra, they've really made a like for like change. So I, I think for me, like I've not really changed too much for them. So you're kind of seeing summer start from them, and I expect to see them doing well throughout the season. And like you said, I think that the the TTK and all these sort of things are just going to allow the the top top teams to even create an even wider gap. I mean, if you look at the last game that I'd say we had a high TTK on, it was Cold War, and you know that's where you've seen a bigger gap. Obviously, a lot of the teams at that point in time were probably quite weak as well. I think there was different factors, but I do think when you have a kind of higher skill gap um, and more teamwork, which I do believe this game has, I think you're going to see a bigger gap there in terms of results, in terms of consistency. So, I mean, that's how I think it's going to play out, but we'll have to wait and see, I guess. 
Well, one side of the coin, we have dominance. And on the other side of the coin, we have, I don't know, not so dominant. Uh, let's talk about some of the shaky teams, right? We obviously saw our two, you know, favorites from last year, pretty much outside of the New York subliners look very good this year. And then New York subliners, a dark horse this year after winning the world championship, they swap over, they make a change for Sib. And now they they start off 2-0, but their wins were not convincing. They were very gritty. And I feel like with how like they would play in the matches and the slaying power they have, I think I feel like they should have had a little bit more confident win, especially today versus versus LAG. The optic one we can chalk up to them playing another top four team, but they almost got reverse swept. Um, do you think this is a direct catalyst of them like changing up their formula with Sib, or is do you think that somebody else in the team might look a little bit shaky or not be playing as well as they have in the prior games? I mean, honestly, I think that if you look at last season as well, New York didn't start strong in, in last season's matches. I believe they did go 0-2 and two in their very first two matches. They definitely lost their first one against London, from what I can oh, remember yeah, from did. last season. So, like, I think that New York have had a bad start of the season last season. I do think that they're going to get better. When they bring in Sib, though, you're expecting them to come in. They've obviously took out Priesta, brought in Sib. You're expecting them to come in against a team like LAG and just dismantle them, you know? And... LAG arguably should have won that match. I mean, it's not even arguable. It was quite clear that they threw away specifically map one and also map two. So, I mean, look at New York's matches so far. They've been just clutching up round 11s. I believe the first three they won uh, round 11s. So it's one of those ones where I think they're just getting by at the minute with just poor play, in my opinion. I think that they, and they can be much, much better going forward. So I'd like to see better from New York going, going forward. But at the end of the day, they still got two dubs on the on the board. So... What about you, Pat? Is what it is. Yeah, the, the, for me, it's just their respawn. I don't understand. Like, they have so much talent on this roster. I'm kind of, and even in their series, they're out slaying. Like, it's not like they're having a slaying issue. Um, so I, I don't know why their respawns have looked so shaky and so close. Um, but they've been able to clutch up an S and D. So that's obviously at the end of the day, the most important thing is their clutch factor hasn't gone anywhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think it, we could we could chalk it up to like a slow start for them. All right, they still ended up two and zero. But just a slow, shaky start and respawn. I also, I'm curious too, like, you know, obviously we have one more weekend of them being on this, all the teams being on this patch. But when we jump to the next patch, I wonder if New York's going to be a team that really benefits from that. Like, game's going to slow down a little bit. Uh, spawns are going to be a little bit further. When we look back at Monover 2, um, the maps that they were really good at in Hardpoint were kind of those bigger maps that you could spawn teams out on. Um, and so I wonder if that'll have a factor as well, like when we get, you know, maps that they can control spawns a little bit better on yeah it could yeah. they could be a little bit more methodical but i mean the one player that i'm gonna look at here is obviously the new addition sib i think he had a really good series in that optic series whenever they 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 won and they clutched up during that uh those final maps but then today versus lag he just looked very poor even though hydro was pretty much playing with multiple controllers and a broken controller sib still not having the best results and i mean Going up against LAG, which a team, you know, people predict as a bottom team, having him drop those type of stats when he is known as a very slay heavy player is maybe not so worrying because they did win. And I still think obviously he's got a lot more in the tank in him, but it's just something to look out for because you bring this guy on to kind of be that pop off player. And if he's playing like that against a team like LAG, then I don't know. So just something to keep my eye on. And then um, another team that uh, I guess you can say looks shaky um opti gaming man or optic texas i mean we saw them bring that game back all the way up into a reverse sweep we obviously all thought they were that whenever they down 2-0 that it was pretty much game over they did show a little bit of resilience we saw some life out of their sub players but then that game five man like i said earlier in the show it's just giving me those 
Optic Texas MW2 vibes, man, where they just scam. They throw so many situations away because they lack so much discipline. Um, we are very nitpicky on the on the flank with some of their some of their plays, specifically that round uh, that round what round ten was it where they got the two first bloods and they were pretty much in a position to win it. Players were all overexposed and they still somehow ended up losing it. So, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on on Optic Texas so far? I yeah, I mean, always... oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that the S&D for me is obviously the biggest concern. I mean, you look at their team in, uh, on paper, I think that they're very much a team that's built to be strong on respawn. But if you look at them from an S&D perspective, they also have a lot of flaws there. So I think for me, um, that is always going to be a concern throughout this season. I think that that's going to be the difference between the likes of them and, and Ultra and FaZe uh, is going to be that S&D because they're good at, across the board. Um, and I think that that's going to be something that they really need to focus in on and put a lot of time into. Um, but yeah, the, those matches were not pretty. Uh, three round eleven is is just like not a great way to start the season, is it? So um, obviously they've still shown some life in respawn and played really well in different in different maps. But for me, I think that that's going to be the area they need to improve in and put a lot, a lot of time into. A lot of their problems too are just like weird ass ego chows. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I get this team has basically almost you know lived and died by the ego chow in general because mm -hmm. they just have so much talent. But it's like. It just looks like they make the game so much harder on themselves than they have to. Like, just honestly, uh, you know, I I really think they should just play at Pred's pace. No, literally, like I feel like Pred's a slower sub, and I feel like it, I mean, he was the one who made some of those ego child mistakes that I saw. So it's like I, I feel like they should just let Pred be the you know the the person that this team plays around um, instead of Pred trying to play at Shotzi's pace because I think it's just gonna yeah do they have the talent to do that sure but in my opinion it's just an inconsistent way to play um, and dude in the moment like if your habit is to just always make this unnecessary chow like you're just taking a fifty fifty that's so unnecessary um, this team has so much skill this year that it's just like slow it down a bit like in every game mode just use the fact that you do out talent almost every team you play against um and, and just yeah play play it a little bit slower pace i think the game will get easier for every player on the team there'll be less like communication errors i think we saw one earlier too um uh, the other day where it was like that 2v3 or 2v4 where Shotzi was like in hall and kenny was top white and like Shotzi chow but kenny didn't chow it's just like they just need to slow it down. I think it would help them immensely across the board. Um, whether they do that now is another story. You know, I think a lot of people have been saying they should do that for years and they never really have. And again, they've lived and died by the ego chow in almost every game they played. But but yeah, that's that I think will will improve their consistency. So uh, to me, it just comes down to whether whether or not they'll do that. But I mean, I don't. I I really wasn't impressed much by their rocker win today. Um, it was a good three one win, but like. Rocker is pretty low in my power standings right now. Um, and, you know, their other series against New York was just sloppy across the board. So, yeah, the there's definitely... also kind of looks a little sloppy. In yeah, there, well. for me, there's there's more to see from this Optic squad. Um, but, but again, I think, you know, they they should hit the drawing board on just their, their play style as a whole and maybe their tempo that they play at. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to change, man. I don't know if that's ever going to change. I, I can't imagine, though, Damon is, you know, full-time coaching these guys and, like, 
knowing Damon, like I, I, he's not very vocal about it, but I can't imagine that he's not watching some of the shit he's seen and not losing full. So it's Yo, I like felt, I felt so bad for Damon because whenever that like um that like clutch happened, I think there was like multiple people in the chat. It's like, what is Damon teaching them over there or something yeah. like that? I'm like, you really you can't really put this on him and him alone, bro. It's kind of embarrassing, but but I, but I, I feel felt, like I he's probably losing fool in some of these situations, and it's mm-hmm. like I would be. they just yeah. I hope he vocalizes it because I think he yeah. would be a major asset by. You know, letting these guys know that they don't have to—they don't have to make the game so hard. So, um, we'll just have to see. But, um, curious. These, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say these moments are like big for teams. You know, like having that sort of rough start. I think it just depends on how they go forward from this point on. You know what I mean? Like you said, Damon can come in, put his opinion across. I think if they bounce back from that and just start actually just closing out these games, because at the end of the day, they're uh, they're losing six fives and and some of these S and Ds, and like you said, they're just kind of trying to bully teams in respawn. Like they're just yeah. they're really they're really trying to like stamp their authority on the game and want to just absolutely destroy the competition. But it's got to slow it down a little bit and they let the game come to them, and I'm sure they'll just do fine. I actually think this weekend's really important because I, you know, talking or these these two weekends because not only are we going to have a month break, right? Like Christmas holidays, teams are going to take a little bit of time off, but we're going to be on a new patch, and it's like I, I feel like starting hot is almost more important this season than it is ever before because you know we don't really know what you know. There's obviously only one patch so far, but there could be another by you know early January, um, and teams that start out now could be impacted by that patch and then, you know, kind of get a little bit worse and other teams could get better. So I think starting hot in these two series or these two weekends is really important. Um, and so, yeah, from these top dog teams, I expect them to come next weekend with a lot more fire and playing at a, a much more consistent, uh, consistent way. 100%. Yeah, it's like an arms race, isn't it? Like every, every single season yeah. at the start, I think that you're having... Just you want to get ahead of the meta, but you're constantly evolving the meta yourself rather than being the one that's chasing it. You know, one week you're playing a certain way, you're seeing another team that's having success. I mean, I've seen that myself last year um, with LAG. It was, it was almost like we were always playing catch-up uh, in different aspects. We had so many things to figure out and fix. And fixing all those at once in a, in a quick manner is just its not going to happen. So That's the worst like, way, too, yeah. having, having to play catch-up. Because like, yeah. it it's like everything's constantly stacking against you when you're playing catch-up, right? Not only do you have to play perfect, but you also have to improve. You also have to make sure you know your you, teams aren't getting better and widening the gap while you're also trying to catch up in standing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably... Super important. And Chris, you brought up earlier, like, Windows Toronto and, and Phase play. I looked at the rest of the Major um, 1 games, and they don't play at all, this Major, um, online at least. So, like, we're not going to see that series, and those guys are going to dodge a bullet from playing each other. But we'll at least most likely get that get that game on land, which will be, which will be really fun. Okay, so, uh, I mean, before we uh, close out the show and start talking about, uh, you know, our predictions for a couple key matches, we'll talk about um, for next weekend. Um, who's your guys' early prediction for a Dark Horse this year? Who do you guys think is really going to be able to make some noise and maybe uh, clinch out a spot in that, like, in that champs qualification that you, maybe people don't see now? I think Miami, like I mentioned at the start, I think that they are a team that are really exciting for me. Um, coming in, I had them as my 12th place, to be honest, when that roster and all those rumors were coming out. I was expecting them to be horrible to be honest with you but now, the more and more i'm seeing from them and 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 everything i'm hearing around the team um i'm really excited to see how they progress throughout the year and i think that they could be one of those teams that causes a lot of upsets i could see them 
edging into the top eight potentially. I do think that they'll struggle to like place within the top four to six teams in the league, but I think even just that roster as a whole getting into the top eight would be a great result considering what everyone thought of them when those rumours were announced. Everyone was kind of like, wow, a league spot has been taken away almost. You know what I mean? I think that was like the general yeah. consensus throughout the league is that they've just took over a league spot. Obviously, a lot of these guys have had a lot, some, somewhat success previously, but that's the way a lot of the community saw it, and I'm, I'm glad to see that they've kind of surprised everyone at the start. Uh, my s- major one, Dark Horse, I'm going to go with Surge. I think, you know, I think they'll probably make the most noise at Major One, just off what I've seen so far. Um, I think, you know, we talked about Boston being in a prove-it scenario, but I think this entire Seattle Surge roster is in a prove-it scenario. And, um, you know, I've, I've heard they're, they're obviously grinding. Um, but, but, yeah, I think that's going to be my Major One dark horse. As far as my season dark horse, I'm going to go with Vegas, but I'm going to caveat that and say it's going to rely on them making a roster change. I, I don't think... Purge is going to be in their recipe to success. Um, so I, I anticipate this Vegas squad making a roster change. But if they do, I mean, I actually think they've got a few good pieces that could find them some success later in the season. Uh, and I think it's really important for them to, like, they don't have to start hot, but, like, they need to be able to, like, basically go 50 and 50, right? Like, if that team yeah. can stay even in win-loss as the season progresses, I think they'll be in a good spot, and it'll let them get hot. Um later on if they do make a change mine is gonna be the carolina ravens just because uh i think they got gwyn and got a rex on there and gwyn looked really good in their last match he was he ended up you know he they were down 2-0 and he basically just said nah i'm not i'm not going out like that and pretty much started taking over map after map after map and then closing out that uh final game in dramatic fashion we're pretty much getting an ace i got a lot of faith in that kid i think clay will rally the troops and i think when this game slows down um, which I think it will with this next patch. I think these guys are going to get a lot better because um, with Clay and, and, and Goderex on their team, I think they will be playing that more methodical style and, and it'll probably benefit them. Um, so I'll probably say the that team. Um, but also, I mean, you guys also had great picks, man. Miami Heretics is definitely a good one. Vegas, I, f- I totally forgot to talk a little bit about Vegas, man. They got Nero Poison on there and that guy is actually really, really good. Liberia, yeah, he had a great, great weekend. Yeah, but uh, okay, so that's for our Dark Horses. So, I mean, just taking a look at the schedule here, I picked out some matches, um, some very interesting ones that we can go over on Friday. Um, We got Optic Texas versus Surge. This is going to be a big game. Obviously, Optic Texas, everyone hypes them up. Top four team. And then you got Seattle Surge, which is like a, a Dark Horse type team where people didn't really see them playing as well as they have been. But also... This is the revenge game, bro. This is Optic Texas, right? Against Illy and Hook, two players that were previously on that Optic Texas lineup last year. So obviously, this is even be a Alec, very who was match. rumored to go there at some point, yeah, potentially. So this is a this is a very uh, interesting, fun match. It's going to be a banger Friday. Uh, let me hear your guys' thoughts. Who do you guys got? I got Illy. I got Illy taking over. I'm I'm going for that shout. I mean. LA. No, Ellie, sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish accent came through there. He's um, LA. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's always one that gets Americans all the time. Is 100%. When I, when, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I think he's going to come in the redemption match. I mean, you how many teams have we seen over the years? Like, it, it just always bound to happen, isn't it? So I'm just going to go with that and just assume that they're going to come in hot. I think that 
if Optic have any hope, they need to obviously close out S and D's. Um, as I've been saying the entire night. So I think that that's one of the things that you're probably looking out for. I mean, you could see Optic winning the series as well, but uh, I think that Seattle have been putting in a lot of time and effort, and I think that they are going to obviously look to sort off the league strong, and I think that they've had two fairly tough matches to start off with, and they've obviously handled them fairly well. So if they were to able to start the league 3-0, I think that would be massive. So, yeah, I'm going I'm to back the boys of uh, Seattle. What about you, Pat? I'm going to go Seattle, game five, though. Um, I think Optics looked, you know, rough in search, and unless they have a bounce back S&D, um, I think I'm going to take going to take surge in this one because i'm confident surge could still a uh still a respawn against this squad so um yeah i'm gonna go with surge game five i'm actually just curious as to like what maps are going to be playing in this series because i know we saw optic play terminal so we know that they will allow that into their map pool potentially and i know optic plays i think a decent amount of karachi snd from so far what we've seen and i think seattle also will play that um this is going to come down to, to if 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 uh, Seattle can win a respawn, um, but obviously with Seattle, I think the reason why they look so good um, during this last weekend is they got Terminal, Terminal S and D, and Terminal Hardpoint pretty much on lockdown. They won it. They won that map both times that they played it versus both teams is pretty much an auto like two maps. I don't know if people are going to play them on it. I think if Optic knows what they're doing and they watch VOD, they probably don't play them on those maps where they play to hard counter them. Um, otherwise, they'll probably lose. Um, that being said, I'm probably going to take Optic here just because I think Optic will be a little bit more prepared and Seattle might not get the the maps that they're probably used to winning uh, against other teams this time around. Um, that's just my take. Another series that I was looking at, um, this isn't really like some insane series um, between like two top four teams or anything like that. Um, but this is kind of just one to look out for because, again, Miami Heretics is a team that you specifically, Mark, have been talking about as that upset team. This next weekend, they have a potential to go 3-0. and They have a relatively, I think, easy um, schedule. I think the first game that they play uh, on Friday is going to be against the Vegas Legion. And Vegas Legion, although they did look pretty good in Search and Destroy, by, by no means are they like going to be some dominant team. So that is obviously a winnable game. And then I think I picked Miami Heretics versus Rocker because Rocker's a team that I think, um, although people didn't rate them as like a super hot, hot team, more so that they have a lot of slaying power and that potential is there where like people are like, okay, maybe these guys could be that middle of the pack team while Miami was kind of looked at as like a non-threat. If they're able to win that Vegas Legion game or even just come in against Rocker and like beat these guys, then I think people are finally going to start to see these guys as like, okay, vamos, we got to be careful going against these guys. Obviously, if we're one of those middle of the pack teams, we can't sleep on these guys. So who do you guys got? Heretics or Rocker? Heretics to the moon. Heretics to the absolute moon. They're starting off 3-0. They're st- they're, they're, I'm, I'm yeah. buying that ticket. Yeah, 100%. 100% if you're yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. You're, you're all in. I hear that. I mean, dude, yeah. like, they got... Yeah, you're right. They, like, these are the best two teams they could have hoped this for. Is a, um, this is a good start for Vamos if they can pull this so off. So, I think... Honestly, I'm more confident that they'll handle the rocker, to be honest. I think uh, that Vegas one is going to be a little bit questionable for me. Vegas looks really good in search so far. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think they'll beat rocker, but yeah, that that Vegas one is going to be the determination the where they go 3 0. And if, dude, if, if heretics are like top three after the first two weekends of the CDL, <laughs> everyone's going to be like, <laughs> they damn, like, what happened? <laughs> what yeah, happened? I mean, dude. 
almost everyone had them as like you know if not bottom four yeah. like at the bottom of the middle of the pack so I mean, they're just like, such an uncertainty right like we haven't yeah, seen some no, of these absolutely. players back in the league like the only person we recently saw was Vickle and Vickle looked good towards that tail end he was actually playing really good with an AR right people saw him switch over to an AR this year and they're like what the hell AR Vickle but anyways yeah um I- before, I'm on the same page, by the before way. Before though, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Atlanta versus Surge. I know we said Optic versus Surge, but that would be my next map. I was going to choose Surge, three. When you look at Surge's schedule, like not just this next two weekends, but even after we come back from holiday break, they play Toronto instantly. Like they have a grueler of a schedule. So they're basically playing every team that's in the top four outside of New York, right? Our our preseason top four. Yeah. And so yeah, I mean. Atlanta versus Surge. I, th- I think Atlanta still got that. Atlanta yeah. still got that. Like, unless that's the thing though. If Surge win that, then I'm like, what the fuck is going on with these teams? <laughs> um, uh, listen, I- I'm high on Surge too, man. But at the same time, like I said, maps at cheese. Um, it's the beginning of the season. People, I, I immediately pointed out as soon as uh, I saw them get terminal both their series, win them both like pretty convincingly. I'm like. They're getting terminal and they're good at it. They're better than the other teams they played in. If I'm a, if I'm a betting man, they probably don't see that map or that map and mode combination pretty much for the next couple of matches. And if they see it and they end up winning these series, I'm going to you know have a big old I told you so on my face. But I'm on the same page, man. I got phase and, and then for the prior one, I had I had heretics to the moon, bro. I, I want to see those guys start off hot because I mean, it's good for the culture um, just to see, uh, up, uh, you know, a uh, what is it called? A dark horse team, you know, come out and start hot. But for this series, I got phase. Definitely. Yeah, I got phase for sure. I mean, it's hard to go against phase in any prediction, to be honest. And as much as I'm high on Seattle, I think that, um, you know, it's going to be a tough one for them. I think phase are going to obviously want to come out. They have their own little storylines there too, um, you know, with, uh, with Alec and whatnot. So I think that they're definitely going to come in hot for that series. So for me, I think it's going to be one of those ones, probably 3 now 3-1. Phase potentially, um, yeah. I could I could see Seattle potentially winning S and D, but apart from that, I can't see them competing in the in the respawns. Like you said, though, I think the the vetoes are a big factor in this series as well. Um, I think if Phase square up on some of Seattle's stronger maps, it might be a bit of a mistake. Yeah. Um, I forget, but, man, that like going into the season, I'm about to cut you off that like everyone's like, oh, this team and this team and this team is like good. But but at the end of the day, like once these like map sets start to develop and people start to realize what people are good at, um, these series are going to change a lot in terms of like like countering the vetoes and stuff like that. That always even happens. Even LAG, how did they get two high rise S and D's? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. I said that. I, yeah, we were. I was mind blown. You always remember when we were talking about that series on the flank and I was like, um, I, I I can see New York or uh, I can see LAG winning a, a high rise S and D because I guarantee New York might score up on it with them, and they, they, it was close, but they ended up uh, they ended up losing anyways. But still, like these people people need to start doing their research. It's early in the season, but some of these uh, maps, like you can clearly tell, it's always the teams, teams too that it's like almost an ego thing, right? We've seen that in the past where it's like the better team feels like they don't do their research because they just believe they can square up and beat them. And I, yeah. you know, I think in this day and age in COD, like that's just unacceptable. That's really, yeah, it's 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 unrealistic too, right? Like even if you are phased, like why would you ever play a team on their best map unless you're at the tail end of the season where you're like, you know, we just want to get reps for champs and we already locked in our spot. But like especially early on, like it doesn't make sense to me. Like you should be taking every series one by one. Like you're, you know, you don't want to lose any maps. Um, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah. 
It's an instant momentum boost as well. Like when you have, I mean, you guys have been in this situation as well. Like when you come in, you've just done the vetoes and you're like, they're squaring up on our favourite map. You know what I mean? You're 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 buzzing. You're buzzing yeah. going into the series, like you're feeling good, you're ready to smoke them. And uh, I think that that's one of those ones where you need to just kind of take away their confidence a little bit yeah. and not give them their, their and confidence. Especially as like a team that like is probably going to look like if they're being realistic with themselves, like they're playing against like one of the best teams in the game. And like they know they're not obviously at that level yet or they haven't been like you give these guys a lifeline, like you might actually lose the series, like even if you are phase or whatever team. But um, looking at the rest of the matches, I didn't really find any other ones that were too interesting. I kind of just like scrolled through, and I, if anything, if anything, maybe the, the battle one on Sunday. You think that's actually a good, uh, interesting Dude, series? Yeah, it's Breach versus Toronto, and for me, if I don't see any life out of Breach against this Toronto squad, I'm I'm at the point where I'm almost giving up on them. Like before their own major, you think they make a change before their own major? Dude, are they are they're gonna start zero three? Like, wait, is that their only match? No, uh, they play uh, they thieves. Yeah, yeah, they, they play thieves. thieves. Wow, which is Taylor's which is a coin toss too. Battle the burgers right now too. That's what I'm saying. Like, dude, like, there's a world where they could be zero and four. Like, that's again, Toronto. We think is a top two team, and I want to see some life out of breach. And I think against you know Toronto is the best time to do it. Show like you know you're not rolling over and dying. Which yeah, is what they, we think I you think are they right now. Get, they definitely got to get a win on the board next weekend, or whether it's against uh, LA, which I think they'll probably have an easier time against, or Toronto because otherwise this is going to get scary, especially going to their own major. We also got the Battle of LA coming up. There's there's only like a couple interesting matches. If anything, I feel bad for Ravens going into next weekend because they got to play Ultra than Optic, literally back to back days. So. I mean, we'll see how that goes for Clasers and the boys. But anyways, I mean, that's pretty much uh, all we got to talk about for this weekend, unless you guys have something else to add on to it. No, I'm good, man. Um, I just want to say thanks for having me on my very first show. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it so far. I think it's... Uh, Many more to come. It's obviously great chatting to you guys and um, picking your brains about Call of Duty. So um, really enjoyed tonight. So yeah, thanks we're for getting for, me involved. We're for a good year, gents. And... Uh... As you guys as well, um, you know, I'm going to reiterate this. We talked about it every year last year. Um, you know, we're always open to, you know, discussing things that you guys want to see. So be very active in the comments. Um, we have a lot of cool stuff planned this year. Um, we'll probably get there after the holidays, you know, after everything calms down and we start 2024. But, um, you know, you guys know who have watched for a long time. Um, we we want to hear from you guys and we want to maybe even put segments in that you guys think are, are, are good listens. So, um, you know, again, we're back. This is, it's been a little while. It's been six, five, six months, but we're back. Got some new faces. Um, we got reflections behind the scene helping us out as well. And so we're in for a, a good 2024. So glad you guys have came back and tuned in and, and we'll see you next episode. Yeah, that's going to be it for us. Sweep. That's going to be it for us on the reverse sweep, guys. Make sure you guys get active in the comments and we'll see you guys later. Let me know your guys' uh, early CDL hot takes in the comments. I want to see some some early season hot takes from all of you guys. But anyways, we'll see you guys later. Thank you all for watching, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, guys. Peace.